Hi, this is Sarah, the DCE at Trinity Lutheran Church in Waconia, Minnesota. We invite you to listen as members of Trinity join together to tell their stories. Remember the Wonders was made to create a sense of community and connection in a time where we can often feel disconnected and alone in the church. It works to connect new and lifelong members to each other through the sharing of the unique and relatable life stories. We encourage our members to seek God and value in their stories, no matter how big or small, referencing 1 Chronicles 16.12. We hope that you join us and remember the wonders. Joining us today, we have Pat Voss. Pat, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Pat Voss. Very short name. Um, I am... Uh, the husband to Katie Voss. Mm-hmm. Uh, see episode five, I think. Yeah, something like that. Season learn, nine. Learn a little bit more about her and um, uh, father of four. And um, yeah, I'm. Um, we've been at Trinity here for about ten years. Cool. And it's, if it's not ten, it's a little bit beyond it. But um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I'm in the construction trade, so I'm a project manager for a general contractor, and um, Katie and I also have some side projects with a couple duplexes and a, a cabin we um, do short-term rental on DRV and stuff on too, so cool. we're a little busy. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, you know, on the podcast, we encourage our members to share an impactful story in their life using the question, how do you know God is real in your life? So, Pat? How do you know God is real in your life? Well, it uh, it took me a while to to be brave enough to come into and do the podcast, and uh, after much deliberation and um, uh, procrastination, I thought I would come in and finally sit down and talk <laughs> to you about this. Uh, not because I want to so much or like to, but I think it's important to share our testimony about God and how he works in our lives. Absolutely. So when I was thinking about how do I see God in my life, I had a hard time trying to narrow it down to one specific instance. There's There's been a lot in my life that I attribute to God and and uh, his, his um, presence in my life and, and control over my life. So um, when I kind of compartmentalized that, it was mainly to do with people mm-hmm. and and the people and the experiences with you know people that i've seen god um i've had uh, uh many kind of challenging situations that i've gone through and lived through in, in my life and um although they've been challenges and difficult they've uh, made me a better person in the end and it's always hard to understand why you're going through those um, right but you know, God has a reason, and again, I feel that uh, because of those challenges, he, he's, he's got a different plan for you. So I've been, been through, you know, uh, parents have been divorced, uh, I've had cancer in the family, um, sudden deaths, um, uh, attempted suicides, and uh, the main, the main uh, trial for me and and another scenario through the trial is, is how I would, I would attribute, I guess, most obviously seeing God's presence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned, uh, uh, my wife Katie, she, she did an episode that kind of touched on this, but um, 
going through infertility and trying to uh, conceive our own children, biological children, mm-hmm. um, has been the, and where we're at today is, is how I've seen God work in our life. So uh, probably about almost nine years ago, eight years ago, um, mid-20s, Katie and I started to try to get pregnant. She uh, basically said, I'm ready, mm-hmm. let's do this. And I said, you're the boss. And <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, so we tried and struggled. And um, she, she goes into more detail and has got a lot of a better, she's better at storytelling than I am. <laughs> As you could probably tell with, with her conversation, she's, when we're in crowds, I let her do the talking. So this is, again, <laughs> this is a little bit unusual for me. But mm-hmm. at any rate, um, yeah, we, we tried. We did, you know, all the doctoring, the IUIs, the IVFs, and uh, and nothing took. And we did that for five years, and it was a struggle. I saw God in the dark depths of that and trying mm-hmm. to comfort my wife. Be, be strong for her, be vulnerable for her. Well, the hardest part for me was you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. You try to. You yeah. try You, As a man, you're always trying to give advice or, you know, and then everyone else around us is trying to give advice. You know, don't worry about it. It'll happen. Uh, and I always have a story of someone that was couldn't, couldn't get pregnant and then they were trying and Next thing you know, out of nowhere, they got pregnant, and right. you know, God bless them that that, that happens. But you know, the major reaction was, you don't know that'll happen, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it, and and you know, after a while, you, you kind of, and it's easy for me to be on the outside now with children that we have to be able to have a different perspective on it. But when you're in the midst of it, it's it's tough to hear that and see that the people are just trying to comfort you in the best way they you know they're not trying right. to be malicious mm-hmm. so yeah so going through that treatment um in the struggles and trying to just be there for my wife and also mourn or have feelings and try to mm-hmm. um, manage that as well um, that was that was one of the most difficult things to do right it was horrible. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And I just, you, you just feel so helpless. And there's, you just can't, you mm-hmm. can't do anything. You can't do anything. You just pray and hope and kind of wait. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, it just really makes you vulnerable. And it's in that stage, I think, is when you, know, you just got to let go and, and uh, give give it to God and the Holy Spirit and just, you know, just try to work through it. So eventually, um, you know, God works in weird, mysterious ways. Um, we've, as the story, as our story goes, as we you know, could have children, we mm-hmm. decided to um, hit pause a little bit and, and uh, start thinking about foster care and foster to adopt and other methods to um, uh, begin our family or grow our family and it was a little bit um, I wasn't on board right away with it mm-hmm. um, I I don't know I wasn't 
it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to do it or like I just it just felt I wasn't I wasn't at the point to move on to say I shut I closed the chapter of yeah. the biological children right. and it's weird because I mean you never think I guess for me I never you know I didn't go around in my 20s thinking about being a father and having lineage mm -hmm. and like you know biological children and but once it's like, okay, this is the reality, it might not happen, and it's yeah. not happening, and try, try not to, you know, deal with reality, um, it was kind of different. I mean, it was like, you just kind of got to deal with it, or, you know, approach it, and take it head on, and, get, and become comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, so we, we went to one medium, and they kind of put the fear of God in you, and they're kind of like, you know, this is... <laughs> This is terrible. I shouldn't say it that way. I give them a bad rap, but they're they're clear with the expectations of mm -hmm. you know they don't want people coming thinking like, you know okay you, you come here for you get a baby and type of thing. They try not to get yeah. their hopes up and be realistic about this. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know after a while, I um, came to terms with kind of the situation that we had. And mm -hmm. I was happy to move on and we did and. Um, and we were able to grow our family that way. So we decided to move forward with foster care um, and get licensed for that. And in the midst of all the chaos with trying to get licensed and, you know, the doctoring and, and so forth, um, there was a time where one day I happened, I remember exactly where I was. I was in our living room um, and... I don't know what I would roll around on the floor and all stretching or <laughs> watching TV or something, but I felt something on my neck and um, just felt odd. Like all of a sudden, like I maybe pulled a muscle or something, but there was kind of a, a bump on my neck and it was fairly large. It was probably about, felt like an egg or something like that. And wow. yeah, it's kind of like, where'd this come from? Where did I, I mean, I just was like, yeah. have how long is this? Have I missed this? You know, like yeah. something you don't normally feel. But right. anyways, I um, it it happened fast. I don't really recall all the details, but um, talked to Katie about it, and, and I half contemplated not even saying anything to her because I knew she was gonna, you know, panic or yeah. get excited <laughs> about it, and trying to trying to figure out if I should uh, open that can of worms. But anyways mentioned something to her and went into the doctor and um, the family uh, doctor and he just kind of looked at it and said, yeah, we should probably, we should probably take a look at this and, hmm. and um, probably sooner than later. Um, so I was like, okay. Um, so then I think it was almost the next day I went in and got, I think it was like a CT if I recall mm -hmm. in Ridgeview and, um, Took a picture of it. Um, I got a call back from the doctor, and they wanted to get me in again to do another. Um, this was with more of a specialist in the ENT, have them come and do another appointment. So it was kind of like, okay, well, a little bit nerve wracking. Um, and so they, I was in their office, and they said well, they wanted to get a biopsy. Mm -hmm. um, taken of it and they wanted to do it with I don't remember what it's called CT or uh, basically with the screen to help 
help mm-hmm. with it. And um, at this point, they went through that it looked like a solid mass and was a little bit concerned about it. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell for sure, but they wanted to do a biopsy of it. And, um, you know, had impressions that it was a tumor of sorts or something. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're like, okay. And now, the you know, mine's racing. It's like, yeah. can't have children, you know, might have cancer. You know, what's, you're just trying to, your head spinning, trying to think about mm-hmm. all the what ifs. And mm-hmm. um, so we got something scheduled. It was for like a week later. I remember uh, Katie and I went away to a friend's cabin that weekend and just was like a lot of, I mean, when you just hit with those things, life, you just start to see things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and you know, contemplate things. And, and, um, and then, yeah, so we went in when we got back, uh, Katie came with me and I remember being in the room and they were, they wanted to, they did had to do a biopsy. So they, I think like took a needle or something and mm-hmm. stuck it in and, it was a, the doc and a couple nurses in there, and I was, they must have, I was awake. I, they must have just did something local anesthesia. And, um, yeah, they, he was, he was messing with it, and Katie was in the corner, I remember, and then you could hear him kind of whisper something, and then the nurses came over, and they were just kind of continuing to go do some stuff, and I don't remember ex- even exactly how it occurred if they just did it, but they came back or explained to me that when they di- were trying to do the biopsy, they expected it to be a mass, and that's what the previous mm-hmm. picture showed it. Yeah. And when he was in there and he was moving the, I guess, the needle around, mm-hmm. it was evident that it was a fluid. Oh, interesting. So they, so they drained it, and um, I ended up having to have surgery and get it removed. But mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it was. It turned. It was nothing's, no cancer, no nothing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a tumor, but just all of a sudden it was something that could be drained and yeah. removed, and it was right. just some fluke. Um, it's called a brachial, brachial cleft cyst that just sometimes happens in people, and that happen. It actually occurs like in the womb or something. You know, when just mm-hmm. something doesn't get fully developed and. <laughs> So yeah, it was um, it was a whirlwind of emotions, and Katie's crying, the nurses are crying. <laughs> like it's just you know, I didn't really know what the hell. I mean, uh-huh. I understood it, but I was just kind of like, wow, like. Right, you're like, so am I good? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. You're just totally taken aback, and thank God that it, you know, wasn't something worse. And, right, right. But so that was that. I mean that obviously was one instance that I know God is presence in my life and mm-hmm. and then you know continuing forward with the the theme of people and experiences just going through um, the foster care process mm-hmm. learning about that um, and then to the eventual adoption and care of our children mm-hmm. um, and we you know we've adopted four or three now mm-hmm. uh, planning to adopt our fourth Sweet. yeah we got that kind of the paperwork going on that but each each one of them has their own special stories where mm-hmm. in their own circumstances where how they've came into our lives unexpectedly yeah. and it's just and in the minute or the moment you don't you just kind of 
okay, let's, you know, a little bit go with the flow. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, I give a lot of credit to my wife. She's the one that has helped um, through the infertility, helping, you know, uh, encourage that and through the foster care. And she's a pretty good barometer of our lives. And mm -hmm. so I, if she's listening to this, I don't want it, I want her to go to her head, but she's, <laughs> she, uh, I, I listen to her what, what she thinks. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I hold high regard for her opinion. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of, there's a few of my experiences that I know God's in my life. Sweet. You kind of touched on this right at the end here about being in communication with Katie and listening to each other and hearing each other. And this was one thing that really stuck out to me when Katie was talking to me that she always, that you both waited until you guys were both on the same page before moving on to um, kind of the next step through the process. Do mm -hmm. you want to talk a little bit more about um, just kind of the details of that and how you guys continue to stay a team together. Sure. Yeah. She, um, yep. We were not quite on the same page and, um, and I was a little more reluctant and, you know, the, the, not backseat, but just kind of more passive about things, you know, especially with initiating the infertility. She knew she had some sort of intuition that she, it was going to be difficult and, mm -hmm. and, um, so, okay, you know, let's, let's roll with this and, mm -hmm. um, trying to, trying to communicate with her. And she, she was great too, not to, she knew if she pushed that I was, I would, she'd get resistance and mm -hmm. I would just either clam up or, you know, um, push back. And so it was very, it was good that she was patient, um, to, to know when, when I was ready with it. And, and frankly, I mean, it's going through the, those difficult things, um, has helped our marriage. It's been, you know, I think we're at a point now where sometimes maybe or at least early on in our marriage, we, we maybe danced around some difficult conversations and, mm -hmm. um, didn't address them head on, but now we're a lot more comfortable and, um, honest and respectful with it and can can tell each other the truth and not have it turn into a mm -hmm. yelling match or you know yeah. kind of yeah. totally frustrated and we're, we've kind of maybe got a little bit more wise after right. dealing with some of that stuff so right and i think definitely in a situation definitely dealing with foster care and adoption that's such a heavy communication type mm -hmm. thing it's not like oh well we'll see when it comes but you're getting these phone calls and you're like okay a baby is ready right here right now <laughs> are you guys going to be able to pick them up in the next five hours and you guys gotta like make that split second decision versus being like okay we'll talk about it over the next year or so if we're mm -hmm. ready for another kid but like you have five hours to now discuss mm -hmm. are you ready to add on to your family yeah it's been that is, i mean yeah it's a tough like and again back to you know, trusting her opinion and her judgment on things. Um, I remember where I was when we got the phone call about our second daughter and it's like, okay, you know, just, just going to be the weekend. You know, mm -hmm. I just got a call from the County. Um, and, uh, 
what do you think? And <laughs> you're just, I'm just kind of like, what am I going to say? Like, how am I going to say no? You know, like, yeah, and right. not that that's a cop opus, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. and there we were after the races on that. And, you know, on, and then our youngest, um, I remember where I was with, with that one too. And that was a little bit different case where we kind of were involved in his life um, at an earlier stage and mm-hmm. meaning we were aware of the situation. And so when the faint phone call rang, it wasn't, I mean, we were surprised, but it wasn't like completely out of the blue. And it was Sunday night and like eight o'clock and you're just on the couch and I'll let, you know, you get this call and I'm thinking, you know, knowing what she's thinking. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I mean, if I felt in my heart where it was like, no way, you know, I would have been honest with it, but yeah. um, but there we go. Yeah, let's do this. And it's just like, mm-hmm. there's there's absolutely no logical reason why we should say yes because we are way too busy and we got enough going on. It's just mm-hmm. life is chaotic and there we were. Let's transition a little bit more into why I think it's important for you to be on the podcast and why I think it's important <laughs> to um, share your story and Obviously, everything that you have and that has led you up to where you are in your life is important and is valid, and that's where God is leading you to. But I also think that it's very important to share the male side and experience of going through infertility and adoption and fostering because I feel like a lot of stigma, um, a lot of this focuses more on the women and that it's most commonly talked about with women and like you were saying before, you didn't grow up thinking like, oh, how am I going to have kids and how am I going to pass on the family name versus where a lot of girls dream of being a mother and carrying on this and caring for children. And so it's more of a focus on women. So I want you to talk about your experience as a male going through this and um, just encouragement or advice or anything that you would share with men that might be going through situations like this? Uh, Sarah, I don't like to talk about my feelings, so no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a good good thing. And, and, and truly, I guess I don't, maybe it's uh, sexist, but I just don't share a lot about it. And yeah, I mean, um, so going through infertility with, uh, as a male, it was humbling because it was, for men that are going through it, it's, at least in my uh, perspective, it w- I felt degraded. I felt like I wasn't doing my job. And and as far as, you know, the parts that didn't work, it was both of us. Um, so it was a humbling experience. I didn't think, I mean, you're a man. You don't need, you should be able to do this. This is why you're on earth, right? Mm-hmm. You should be, this is... This is what you were made for, and you feel less than a man at times, mm-hmm. especially when going through some of those practices and you're by yourself in a doctor's office, and right. it's just, it's uh, embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And as far as, you know, um, the other struggles, again, touching on trying to be strong for your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, going through it and and she's hopped up on all kinds of hormones and you're trying to be patient and calm yeah. <laughs> and not freak out and mm-hmm. um, 
it's 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 very challenging and difficult and so as far as trying to relate to other men that are in this position um, i'd be happy to talk through talk with and just i mean sometimes it's sometimes it's good to process and talk about it other times it just sucks and just knowing that Mm -hmm. knowing that there's other people we we used to go to kind of a support group and um, most of the times there was more women there than men Mm -hmm. and some men shared and I would share at times too but it's just it just sucks and if you're not in it or go through it Mm -hmm. people don't understand and it's not I don't again don't blame anyone or don't want really want anyone to have to go through it Mm -hmm. but it's it's hard being able to try to be supportive knowing that you, there's nothing you can do. Right. And all you got to do is sit on the floor and hold her while she sobs. Mm-hmm. And you just you just can't do anything. And all you want to do is make, make her feel better and tell her it's going to be okay and it'll work out. And you mm-hmm. just, you just, you don't know. Um, so it's, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I'm not very elegant in, in, in describing my emotions maybe, but it's just, it's, it's, it was very um, difficult and um, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, going through foster care and trying to transition or pivot to that. And, you know, I never, I was never concerned, you know, the whole biological, you know, versus someone else's child. I just, it never really um, like oh that they're not going to look like me or have the same likes as me or anything like that. That never yeah. really occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had lots of nieces and nephews and always played with them and mm-hmm. never had any issue with that. So you know, maybe that's by design with God too. You know, like yeah. I just right. when we when we um, got our first and you know just as the children came, we just. Mm-hmm. We just love them like our own, and it never. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's kind of weird to even think about this, but there's times where I'll be holding one of them, and you look in the mirror, and it, and by looking in the mirror, I'm almost like that's what triggers like, oh, they're not, yeah. they don't look like me, and I mean, I just right. never ever even think about it. Like, mm-hmm. just it's just, but yeah, going going through that process, you know, there was a point where I was concerned you know, while kind of making the decisions or, or coming to the realization that I might not have my own um, biological children, that was, you know, at times difficult, but, you know, kind of processed it and said, well, you know, I'm going to love them like my own no matter what. And if I can be a, be a father that way, that's the, that's the way I want to be, you know, be a father. Right. So was there any like words of advice or um, mentors that stuck out to you that really kind of pushed you forward in the fostering and adoption? Because I know it was a bit of a process, like you were saying, to um, kind of jump over that and get past the point of wanting to fix everything. So what was that process like to move you along? It's a good question. I don't know if there was ever one instance specifically that, that pushed me forward. I think I think the experience of trying or going through as many, you know, IVF cycles that we did. At a time, at a point, I kind of got maybe um, wore down, and mm-hmm. that and I don't want that to seem like okay, this is 
this is the next best thing or this is like a consolation prize yeah. it was obviously god hand in polishing me and you know mm-hmm. you know forcing me to into or molding me into this other position and he obviously knew that without going through some of that i wouldn't and, and frankly i say that a lot too to other people that if i if we got pregnant on our first try i wouldn't appreciate fatherhood the way i do now Mm -hmm. it's just there's no way because going through the effort has made me appreciative so as as far as a a specific instance um yeah sorry i don't have a a good you know moment of Mm -hmm. what triggered that i think um after a while i just started to dissect the thoughts and in my head of you know what parenting looks like and you know i have step parents that love me and i love them just the same way and you know it's and that's one thing that I've learned, foster care and adoption. And back to, the, I guess, the point about the people is that family is what you make it. I mean, it's in mm-hmm. everyone's got different stuff going on in the background that you aren't aware of. And mm-hmm. no one's ever what they seem like on Facebook or any of the other social medias. It's, right. There's always deeper things. And, um, you know, I just, it's not the biological thing just what is not important or it mm-hmm. just never became important. It's just yeah. um, where we got all kinds of different people in our life that uh, care for our children and care mm-hmm. for us. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. I totally see how God could work through like step parents and also that mm-hmm. feeling of never worrying about if your child was going to be from you or for some, from somebody else, but knowing that you were just going to love them all the same because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you're meant to do, you know? Yeah, that's So I right. think that's awesome. That's very unique. Um, do you have any Bible verses or pieces of advice that you clunked, clinged to, <laughs> held on to in um, those mm-hmm. times? Yeah, there's one that kind of stands out uh, for me uh, for a Bible verse. And actually, uh, credit to my mom, she carved it into my iPod uh back when they were you know as big as your phone yeah. when I was going to college <laughs> yes. and uh it's proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 5 and 6 and it goes along the lines of and I don't don't have it in front of me but it's trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings mm-hmm. and he will make straight your path yeah something something along the lines of that and you know, that's been the mantra of my entire life, basically, is just you got to put your trust in him and stop trying to control everything and mm-hmm. let go. And yeah, and as, and as far as some advice, you know, not specific to the the infertility um, piece, but in general, again, about the, the people and the different experiences is just to try to, and I've struggled at this, uh, I have to tell it to myself a lot, mm-hmm. but try to give people grace. And just everyone's got something else that's going on in their Mm -hmm. life that you don't know about. And there's a reason why they're maybe crabby or upset or short Mm -hmm. with you. And you just never know. And um, I try to, I try to, when, when life's chaotic and, you know, in my line of work, it's a lot of pressure on schedule and deadlines and, Mm -hmm. you know, costs and everyone's just, you know, right now and uh it's easy to to get in that mentality and get frustrated and to try to take a step back and just acknowledge and realize that mm-hmm. they're human they got things going on in the background that you're not aware of so just mm-hmm. you know 
keep that in mind when you engage them. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally a big kind of quote that's come from doing all of these podcasts is a lot of people have said, yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going through something, whether that was somebody who actually shared their story on the podcast or has come to me and said, whoa, I heard so-and-so's podcast and I had no idea that they mm -hmm. were going through that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just approach everyone as if they're going through something mm -hmm. and approach everyone with just such a, um, a mind frame of grace and love and yeah, mm -hmm. giving them some leeway. I think that's fantastic. Do you have any other uh, things that you want to share with the congregation or anybody else? Uh, I'd like to commend Sarah for the podcast. I think Thank this you. is great. I really, again, did not want to do this, but I do like mm -hmm. the idea. I think it's fun to, or um, it, it, it encourages us to uh, learn more about each other and mm -hmm. stay connected and, yeah, I love it. I think it's a great idea. I like listening to it. So thank kudos to you. <laughs> thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. it. And thank you for being um, bold and brave and being on the podcast. And like you mentioned, <laughs> staying connected. What is the best way to mm -hmm. get connected to you if they wanted to talk about this? Uh, the best way is probably um, my email. So uh, that's my name, Patrick L. Voss at gmail.com. Perfect. So. And I'll put that. That's always in the little description thing underneath um, the podcast episode yeah i'd be happy to happy to talk about anything and everything i don't have any answers but i'll, I'll at mm -hmm. least try to lend an ear and give you any kind of feedback that again my experiences so right yeah and to know that you're not alone in any of the struggles that you're going through that's right well. yeah. absolutely well thank you again so much for being on the podcast i really appreciate it um trinity i challenge you to step up and <laughs> <laughs> take on the task of sharing your story um whether you think that it's big or small you have something relatable to share um so i encourage you to join us and remember the